Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the BWI Daily Edition. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. This is Max Chadwick of PFF. He is their college guy. Uh, What is your official title, Max? Because I was told you're the college guy, but what's your official title at PFF? I'm a college football analyst. Um, We've been into it before. I don't know if I'm technically a college football analyst. I'm basically doing all the college football content for them right now, but I'm a college football analyst for sure. That that I do know. Okay, well, he is here because college football and the NFL are colliding at the NFL draft. And Max is, of course, the lead or one of the lead college football analysts. And we were talking before the show – also a huge Penn State fan, so this is going to be a great conversation. We're going to have a, a really good in-depth conversation about these players. I'm excited for this, Max. I Like I said, I, I've been on – I've spoken I – mean, again, I'm, I'm supposed to be a neutral guy, but I'm still a huge Penn State fan. I've been on Michigan podcasts. I've been on Ohio State podcasts this morning. Uh, this is a nice change of pace where it's like not having to wax poetic about Michigan or Ohio State. Uh, <laughs> and I'm getting to talk some Penn State football is – this is kind of a dream come true. And I, I mentioned to you before, Blue White Illustrated is one of the best there is at covering Penn State football. So I've been following that since I was a kid. To be able to be on this podcast now is is truly like a dream come true for me. So this is pretty awesome. Well, I was planning on starting with you. And, and thank you for that, by the way. I was planning on starting with you here on the BWI Daily Edition about the draft. But uh, reading your articles over at uh, pff.com, we got to talk about everything you've been writing because it, let's start with this one. Of if all the college players were eligible, that was your your latest mock draft. Mm-hmm. If every college player was available, Penn State had three first round draft picks in your mock draft, uh one at cornerback, uh and and none of them were Joey Porter Jr. So who are the high, who are the guys you highlighted and what makes them special? That's what makes me so excited for next year is that you mentioned three first round picks. All of them are not eligible uh, for this year's draft, which was, you know, pretty cool. And I think Joey Porter Jr. would have been one of the top corners. I just couldn't fit him in because I think he's a late first round pick right now in the real draft. So in this special mock draft, uh, he didn't get in, but yeah, man, you mentioned it. Uh, Kalen King, I love. I think he's the better corner of the two. I think he is, you know, the star of that secondary. His single coverage grade was higher than than almost every corner in the country. And, yeah, I was super impressed with him. Chop Robinson is a guy that I am, you know, all in on. I, he's a guy that I don't think has gotten enough love. I mean, he, he – Preach! Course, he, he's been in kind of like a rotational role for Penn State and then kind of came on at the end. But, man, I mean, he led all Power 5 edges in overall grade, pass rushing grade. His pass rush win rate was uh, fourth in the Power 5. So, Kalen King, Chop Robinson. And then, of course, everyone knows a guy that, you know, a lot of people think could be a top 10 pick in next year's draft. Could have been a top 20 pick in this year's draft if he declared Olu Fashanu, the left tackle for Penn State. 
who I have going late first round in this one, just because I think next year's tackle class is pretty special. Uh, Penn State fans actually did not like me when I ranked the top 10 offensive tackles and I put them fourth. Uh, but I think that's just a, a credit to how good the tackles are coming back to college because he is phenomenal. He's just terrific pass protector. And uh, yeah, I mean, Drew Lara is going to have a, a very good uh, security guard in, in Ola Fashano at left tackle next year. So I can uh, bypass my question of, have you watched Drew Aller? And uh, if so, what were your thoughts? Let me just get your thoughts then on Drew Aller. Let's cut right to the chase. What have you seen of him, and what do you think of him in the limited sample size, given what it is, of the way he performed last season? Yeah, Drew Aller is terrific. You know, the Josh Allen comps coming out of high school, I think we're lofty for sure, and I don't think he's got the mobility that a Josh Allen has. But in terms of the size, I mean, the kid is a tank uh, he's like six foot five, I think, and like two thirty already as a true freshman. And then he's got the arm, you know. He's got he made a few, you know, big time throws last year. He had one of the highest big time throw rates in the Power Five, and you know, I, I think he's the sky's the limit for this kid. And again, the last toolsy quarterback that Penn State had was Christian Hackenberg, and we all thought he would be the number one overall pick after his freshman year, and that didn't obviously come to fruition, but. Uh, I think that Drew Aller is a guy that I cannot wait for. I know every Penn State fan was clamoring for that guy at many points last season to start over Sean Clifford. Uh, I'm glad Cliff got it, was able to go out in the sunset, literally in the Rose Bowl. But uh, I, I think that Drew Aller is a guy that you got to be so excited for next year, and I, and I truly am. There's a thousand different ways that I want to go with that with that conversation of like what uh, we've been talking here on the daily edition about like what type of offense do you build around and what strength do you accentuate uh, and of course there's always the unknown of what we don't know about him but uh, putting those aside for a second given what you just talked about with three potential first round draft picks coming back. How good do you think this team can be next fall given you've been on Ohio State and Michigan radio recently. So, yeah. so where, where do they land in the, the annual game of can you beat those two teams? They're up there. They're definitely up there. And they're a team that um, I am very high on. And, again, as a Penn State fan, I try not to get too high because I know how good the other two are. And I put Penn State number seven in my way to really top 25. I've seen them as high as five and even higher, maybe four. Uh, this is a team that could, that could compete for the playoff. They got the, all the talent in the world to do so. I think it really comes down to Drew Aller. I think it really comes down also to uh, the receivers. And I think Dante Cephas, the Kent State transfer, is a big-time get. Because I, I was talking to my brother, also a Penn State fan, and we're like, man, losing Parker Washington, looking, losing Mitchell Tinsley, Brenton Strange is gone, um, I, although I'm very excited for Theo Johnson. But you look at it, and you're like, they need a receiver. And I think Dante Cephas is one of the top receivers in the portal. But still, I think it still is a question mark at, at pass catcher. So Drew Aller, whether or not he can lift up those pass catchers, obviously I think the run, the uh, offense is going to be really predicated on one of the best duos in the country and Sing- Nicholas Singleton and, and Katron Allen. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited for this team next year. And I don't think they should be the favorite in the big 10. I think they're the third best team in the big 10, but still a third best team in the big 10 is still a top seven team in college football. So I, I am super high in Penn state. Will they make the college football playoff? I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, they got the sky. The sky's the limit. If Drew Aller's the guy, then they could. They very well could. All right. We're going to probe some of the the deeper parts of your knowledge here then. We're going to take Aller and his development aside. What will it take then for this team to rise to the level of of 
you know, being one or two. Because I think it's pretty clear that if you run a certain schedule in the Big Ten and the East and you play those two teams and you split with one of them, your chances of going to the college football playoff are rather high. So what does it take within the team to be on that level of two or maybe even one? Although I think I agree with you, that's that's pretty unrealistic. But what would it take? Where on the roster do you need to see somebody, a dark horse, explode and become a guy that can tip the balance for Penn State? So I, I already talked about it before, but I again, the, the, the receivers, I, I'm even with Cephas, who I think is a really good player and is a big-time player, that's a guy, that's a position that I'm still looking at and kind of with a question mark right now. And hopefully Cephas can, can be that guy. Keandre Lambert-Smith is a guy I like. Um, and obviously they got some freshmen that I'm excited for Caden Saunders, who we didn't see too much of this past year. I think he could be a really good slot receiver for Penn state, uh, really highly rated recruit, but it's a lot of unknowns right now. And, and at least Cephas, you know, was really good, but also is at Kent state, you know, where it's yeah. not the best competition. So they could transition whether or not it could be that alpha number one receiver that Penn state's had recently in Jahan Dotson, uh, and then Parker Washington, obviously, uh, Chris Godwin a while back too, but it's like, can you get that number one receiver or will Drew Aller really need to be stepping up? So that's, that's a spot. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball too, I mentioned, you know, bringing back Chop and Kalen King, who I think both are among the top three returning players at their position. Um, I, I would still say after that though, Abdul Carter, top 10 linebacker in the country, in my opinion, um, but then, and Curtis Jacobs coming back is huge, but uh, a guy that I can't wait to see hopefully develop Johnny Dixon, I think is a really mm-hmm. underrated corner. I think he's a guy that, you know, could step up without Joey Porter jr. There, uh, alongside Kalen King. Uh, but obviously you lose Jair Brown. So the safeties I'm a little concerned about next year as well. Um, but yeah, the, so the, the defense, I think will be okay. I love Manny Diaz. I mean, that hire, getting him as defensive coordinator was unbelievable mm-hmm. after he was a Miami football head coach. Like, that's just – you see Alabama get those kind of hires, you know, not really Penn State. So, getting him was crazy. Uh, so, I love that he stayed too, which is awesome. But some defense I'm not too worried about. Really, really, I think the X factor for this team is obviously Drew Aller. Everyone's going to be talking about the quarterback. Yeah. But I think what goes into that too is I think that the receiving room – uh, it has to be the biggest X factor. And I think the O-line, too, is is a is definitely a question mark. Olu Fashano's a stud, but other than that, the, there are some – the other four, you know, some question marks in the offensive line besides Olu Fashano. Young talent that can develop and, and some very talented players based on their recruiting, but you're right, a, a prove-it area would definitely be especially uh, – probably everything le- right of Fashanu. I think you, you make a good point there. Um, there. Oh my gosh. So many things I want to talk to you about. This is the BWI daily edition. I'm Thomas Frank Card. That's Max Chadwick. He is the PFF college analyst. Uh, you can check him out. PFF.com. You wrote a lot of the, you wrote the top 10 returning players in college football at each position. We mentioned some of the guys that you had on those lists, Kalen King, Olu Fashanu, uh, Chop Robinson, and Abdul Carter, not on the list. And this is, I, I'm, interested i am not i'm not surprised he's not but theo johnson you touched on him a little bit earlier doing some digging in the pff data when he was healthy second half of the season onward and the way that mike yersich used him over the middle of the field he had the highest average depth of target of any tight end in america he had the highest yards per catch and he was one of the most productive explosive players in the nation um if he's healthy next year given his improvement in the run game watching the way he was able to perform in the Rose Bowl and kind of the end of the season. Is he a guy 
you could project as a potential first-round conversation next year and a guy that would be on your list with a full season of health and that production? Yeah, he's a guy... First round, I think, is is a little rich only because tight end is so hard to get first round. Like Brock Bowers, I think, is guaranteed. But after him, it's going to be tough, you know, for anyone else. But uh, Theo Johnson's a guy, I mean, we all know. Like, he was a highly, highly rated recruit. When Penn State got him, I thought he was going to come in and be Pat Fryermuth immediately, you know, where he was like this dominant freshman. And it hasn't really been that because Bretton Strange has been really good. Uh, but another stat that I, I love for Theo Johnson, his passer rating when targeted. Is yes. one, 158.3. That is a perfect passer rating. So uh, when, that is obviously the highest in the country for tight ends or truly for anyone in college football because that's you can't get better than that. So whenever he was on the field and whenever he was targeted, he made something happen basically. So I think he's a guy obviously was strange in the NFL draft now. I think he's a guy that Drew Aller should be looking at constantly. And we mentioned the pass catchers and we mentioned, you know, the receiver wide receiver specifically the question mark there truly Theo Johnson could take over and be yeah. the alpha. And you don't see that too often with a tight end, but he's a guy that uh, of you, I was so impressed by it. He caught 20 of his 24 targets for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he forced three missed tackles. Nine of those catches went for 15 plus yards too. So, that 158.3 pass rating to me is an eye-opening stat and obviously limited opportunities. But at the same time, now as the number one tight end in that room and as this, the high four-star recruit that he was coming out, I am finally excited to see what he can do in this offense. And I think Drew Aller, should, uh, that should be one of his best friends from day one. Okay, so now let's see if you and I are going to be best friends. Uh, so we, I'm going to give you a list of pass rushers and you tell me who had the better season. Arnold Ebikidi, okay. uh, Yuter Gross Matos, Adafe Owe, Chop Robinson. Who, who, who are the, the guy, who's the guy that stood out in terms of their best season, their peak season, uh, from what you've seen from Penn State pass rushers? I will say only because he didn't have as many snaps as I wanted him to get but I will say in terms of just best season regardless of age I think it's Abiketti. I think Abiketti's one year at Penn State was so yep. unbelievably dominant and I think um that that to me was like that's and people knew you know Chop is kind of a guy that nobody really knows of yet um I always thought Utor was a little overrated at Penn State and I, I he hasn't lived up to it in the NFL either uh Odafe Owe is a freak athlete um, and he's been pretty good for the Ravens so far. But I would say Ebiketti won, and then I put Chop two. And Chop's great, I think, is better than Ebiketti. But like I said, it's just because the you know he played 455 snaps, which is which is good, which is a lot of snaps. Yeah. But it's not you know what Ebiketti was doing day, game in and game out. So Chop is you know I'm excited for him to hopefully get a full time role. But yeah, that one Ebiketti season was special. But if you're adjusting for age. I would maybe say that Chop was more impressive only because he's a true sophomore doing that, where Abiketti, I believe, was a either a senior or a redshirt senior because uh, I know he transferred in from Temple. So, uh, yeah, adjusting for age, Chop more impressive, but just in purely who had the better season, I, I would say Abiketti. 
st- stop stealing my takes. Just stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Uh, no, we 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 agree. There you go. Doesn't make for great podcasting, but I, I agree with that. I think the part that uh, the sacks and some of the other metrics that Ebikidi was a little bit better at than than Robinson. Plus, Nick Tarburton, as you mentioned, was the starter, and they rotated in. But yep. Robinson, the amount of times he got by a tackle with an immediate win, you know, those elite pass rushing moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the ball just came out of his hand. I yeah. think fans especially didn't recognize those things and don't notice those things. But when you watch the film, he was unblockable at times. So, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Chop Robinson. I think he can be the best pass rusher the Penn State has had among that group. Micah Parsons, notwithstanding, seeing as he wasn't a defensive end at yeah. Penn State. So that's the caveat there. Let's get into the draft stuff. Why, why we brought you on here today to talk about some of these players. You mentioned Joey Porter Jr. Uh, you say he's a first-round pick. You think he's a late first-round pick. So give me a little of the reason why you think that and maybe some of the areas you, you think he could where he could go. I mean, he's first of all, he's just a lockdown man corner who's, who's a ball hawk, too. I believe in that Purdue game, I believe he had – I don't want to get the number wrong. It was like six forces completions or something like that, or maybe even nine. It was one of those two. Uh, it was nine. That, yeah, that set the record for us for a single game for a power five corner, I believe. Uh, so that just tells you everything, though. If you want to turn on that game, I think he went against Charlie Jones a good amount in that game, too. Um, so, yeah, Joey Porter Jr. is that lockdown man corner. Um, the, the one thing, though, that I think he did a little bit better job this year, but in past years has been an issue for him, is the penalties. And he gets really grabby. Um, and that's why I think Kalen King is a better overall corner is because I think Kalen King is basically that good in man coverage. Like he was, doesn't have the length that Joey Porter Jr. has, which I think is a terrific, uh, aspect of him as a prospect, but I think Kalen King's a little bit better at not being too grabby and, and still being a lockdown corner. So, uh, yeah, Joey Porter Jr. The tools are all there. Obviously he's got the, the pedigree of being the son of Joey Porter senior, who was a, unbelievable pass rusher for the Steelers back in the day. Um, and it's actually uh, Steelers, my favorite football team. And I remember being a kid watching Joey Porter and now seeing his son is like, wow, I'm getting, I'm getting up there a little bit in age, but, uh, but yeah, Joey Porter jr. Is a guy I like a lot. Um, I don't know that I've seen some top 15 stuff. I don't think I would do that high, but late first round, I, I would definitely consider him uh, and at least early second round too. So yeah, I'm a big fan of his. He's got to get a little less grabby, but mm-hmm. he's got all the tools that you could want. Is So let me ask you about the tools. Speed is an area that obviously there is not a problem, but if he runs at the combine, what is the ballpark in your mind having watched him play for as long as you have? Is that something that is part of what might hold him back, or is it purely just his play? And um, I'll get to the second part of that, but like the speed question, do, do you think he's going to be a guy that on whenever he runs his, his 40, you go, oh, wow, or... Ooh, oh, I didn't think that. Yeah, that's a guy. So he's, he's a bigger corner, 6'2". And I would say that's his biggest question mark, at least, is that he's not he's not the fastest. And I think at the combine, he'll probably run in the four fives, if I had to say, which is not bad, especially when you're 6'2 and 200 pounds like he is. Uh, but it's definitely like his recovery speed, which is kind of alarming because he's going to be a press corner and if yeah. he gets beat off the line, it's going to be tough for him to make up that, that speed. So uh, I, that's why I'm that, that's probably the biggest reason why I'm not as high on him. Um, but yeah, the, the, the speed I think is okay. 
uh, but I think it's below average. And I think he'll run in the four or five if I had to predict. So the next part of it, and not to totally break him down, given that we're talking about as a first-round pick, but um, you mentioned press man corner a couple of times. I wrote an article at bluewhiteillustrated.com about some of the best fits in the first round. They're all, you know, man coverage teams. Or I wanted to throw in a couple uh, match four teams, you know, against vertical routes where you're basically running man coverage, but you're in a zone. Uh, but the 49ers, uh, they're running cover three now. So... What do you think about him in zone coverage? And is that something where it's going to limit the number of opportunities? Or is he good enough overall that you think he could go into any system? Or is it very specific to you? I would say he's... It's tough because NFL teams are all running mostly zone coverage. It, yeah. It's actually like the, the teams that run man the most are still only running it like 40% of the time or something like that. So... Uh, everyone's running zone more than usual. So that might be another reason why he gets pushed down a little bit, but I, I think he's okay in zone coverage. I think he's personally that the best thing is for him is, is a, as a press uh, man corner. Um, but we've seen him, we've seen him play zone before. And I think it's okay. I just think he's a press corner and you can play press zone coverage too. Like that's not, yeah. it's, not it's not just press man. Um, so I think he's a press corner for sure, but uh, I don't know. I just don't know if he, I think he fits a man scheme better. So a team like the Steelers at 17, which would be awesome to see Joey Porter senior's son play for the same team that he was a legend for. That'd be pretty cool. The Steelers need a cornerback too. They run a good amount of press coverage. I know. So yeah, Joey Porter jr. Maybe at 17 could be a, a good fit. It's a little higher than maybe I would take him, but that's a team that I could see falling in love just because of the, obviously the, the, the ties to his father. And then also, um, kind of what they need and, and how he fits that. Yeah, and they have a, a lot of good number twos. Levi Wallace, Cam Sutton. They have a lot of guys that are good, reliable players, but they don't have a guy that has the elite measurables or elite skills like like we're talking about with Joey Porter Jr. Tig Brown, to me, he's fascinating. I can't peg him as a football player first off because, again, the speed conversation, I don't know how fast he is. I just know he always gets the football. He's a really good football player. Um, and the way you mentioned Manny Diaz and how fun his defense is, I went back and I watched where he played. Tig Brown played everywhere. So the value of that, what's the value of that? And then all of the good football juju he has, does it matter if he doesn't test length, all those things to the standard that teams want in a safety? Yeah, uh, he's he's a good athlete. I, I'm I'm a big fan of, of, of Jair Brown. I think he's terrific. I think he's a guy that... Um, you know, is a, is a really good ball hawk, too. He's a really good hitter. He's just a really overall a great safety. Um, the thing about him, though, is that you, you got to rein, rein him in a little bit because sometimes he, he takes too many risks uh, trying to get an interception or trying to make a, a big hit. And it's just, you know, you want him as a box safety. You want him – his mentality, I think, is his, is his biggest asset, honestly, because I love the mentality he has. Um, but, yeah, he's – he tends to kind of come in hot a little too much and you kind of want to rein him in a little bit. So I think he's a guy that, you know, third round maybe could be in the NFL draft. I think he could be a third round safety day two pick. Um, so yeah, he's great athlete, really good hitter and great uh, ball Hawk, which seems to be everything you'd want in safety. The only thing is honestly is something that's very fixed is fixable at least. And then you got to rein him in a little bit. Um, but I think he's, he's worth a shot in day two. 
Uh, does his does his length? Do you think that would scare teams away? Because he's stocky, he's built, but yeah. you know, comparing him to Jaquan Brisker, who was six one, super long arms, had that more classic safety build. Um, it, what would it take, I guess, considering all those things, for him to be a top sixty four pick? Yeah, that, that's definitely it, it's definitely an issue because I, he's five foot eleven, and when you talk about him, I want him as a box safety because you mentioned mm. he's two hundred eight pounds. Uh, I don't want him playing deep because I think he takes too many risks to play deep. Um, but I want him playing downhill because I think that's what, where he is at the best. So, um, but as a box safety at 5'11", you know, that is tough when you're up there with the middle linebackers taking up blocks and stuff like that too. Uh, I think you've got the athleticism to, to thrive as a box safety. But, yeah, I think the length is another – as a good point by you. I think, it's, I think it's another question mark for sure for him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's move on to Brenton Strange. Go through some of these guys a little bit more quickly. I'm fasc- most fascinated, given uh, the guys we just talked about and some of the guys we'll get to, I'm most fascinated uh, this coming week by Brenton Strange with Combine because I think yeah. if he, he he could test really well, he could be the next Penn State player that goes to the Combine and you know raises some eyebrows. Do you agree with that? And then um, what's the range of outcomes for him if that does happen? Yeah, I think he's an athletic tight end. I think this is the combine is built for a guy like Brenton Strange. I think he's going to test well. And we've seen, I mean, Penn State's strength and conditioning department is among the best in college football. Like every single year, it seems like, obviously, Oda Feowe, Mike Asiki, Saquon Barkley, who came in, you know, so you see Saquon, the freak athlete now. You don't remember, Saquon Barkley came in as a scrawny running back yeah. coming out of high school. And now he's just this built tank. And that has a lot to do with the strength and conditioning. And Oda Feowe, you know, runs – a uh, a four three, which is ridiculous. Micah Parsons, another guy too, um, who came in honestly as a freak athlete, but still, you know, Brent Strange is, is another one of those products. And uh, you know, sometimes I have questions with Penn State as in coaching up some players, but their the strength and conditioning in terms of getting them ready for not only Saturdays but Sundays is among the best in college football. So I think Brent Strange is a really underrated tight end prospect. I thought he was really good for Penn State this year. Uh, athletic tight end, like we said. And I'm excited for him at the combine, and I think he could make himself some money next week. Where does he project best? You know, given is he an inline? Is he a wide tight end? Is he an H back? Is he somewhere in between? Because uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's not small. So, so what what do you project him in uh, to the NFL, and what do you think he can do for a team? Yeah, I think he's I think he's more of like that slot tight end that you would look for. I don't know if I'd run him too much in line. Um, but I think he's a really good slot tight. He's not really a great one blocker. Um, so I think I'd, I want him more as like, you know, the slot tight end where he's kind of more of a receiver in that aspect. So uh, that's where I, where I personally have him because I think he's a, a really good receiver. Just he's not a guy that's going to, you know, dominate people in the run game too much for you. So, uh, yeah, he's more of a receiving tight end where that'll push him. I think you probably be a day three pick if I had to guess, unless he absolutely blows up the combine. I would guess he'd be like a fourth or fifth round guy right now. But uh, I think Brandon Strange is, is really good. I think he'll make a team very happy on day three. 
a couple other guys we got to get to. And one guy who is, I think, he's a different player on the Blue White Illustrated message board than he might be over at PFF, and that's uh, PJ Musfer. By the way, you can sign up for Blue White Illustrated for $29.99, get insider access. We are getting into recruiting season. The, the dead period is almost over, and that means you need to know who's going to be on campus. $29.99 from now until the start of college football season to get all that information from Sean Fitz, from Ryan Snyder, from Greg Pickle. Nate Bauer doesn't do anything with recruiting, but he does all of the other stuff. So sign up now. And of course, if you're watching this here on YouTube, like the video, subscribe. And uh, if you want to get a question on our weekly mailbag show, one of our favorite segments from our fans, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, your question is the comment. We'll get to that next week on the show. PJ Mustafer, let's get to him. What is he to you as an NFL football player? Um, let's just start there. What, what is he to you as an NFL football player? He's big. Uh, six four three twenty. Disappointing year this year. I, I wasn't as pleased with his tape as I wanted. He's coming off a knee injury, obviously the year before, uh, where I actually thought he had his one of his best years yet. Uh, he's a guy that I always thought would break out for Penn State and never quite did it and then i think injuries unfortunately played a part for him too um but he's a bigger d tackle at 6'4, 320 and uh yeah i think he'd be a good you know nose tackle ish and also uh yeah. can play a little bit in the b gap as well and i think i like him i don't know if i'd take him any higher than day middle of day three probably but and that's just unfortunately because of injuries i think um but he's a guy that i think you need to turn on his his tape before this past season. Cause I think this past year wasn't very good at all, but you could see the potential he has at least in 2021 and, and previous years. Yeah. He was one of the offensive. He was one of the tackles leading the nation in, uh, in stops for PFF before his yep. knee injury against Iowa last year. So I, I, I agree with you fully that the, the legend of PJ Mustafer for his leadership and what he's able to do in oh, the yeah. holistic sense of being a football player was much more than his actual down to down performance. Because one of my concerns, and again, it goes back to the knee injury is if you're going to be a one technique in the NFL, you got to take on double teams better than that. And yeah. I, I think he can do that. But one of the things he's uh, he's been in these defenses with Brent Pry and with Manny Diaz, where it's like it's like whack-a-mole. Where are you going to end up? <laughs> You're not going to end up in the A gap. You might end up at the B gap. You might have Zane Durant being your, no, your nose tackle because he's the guy in the A gap with a double team. So does he have enough tape to prove he can be that guy? And do you think he's done enough in the offseason at the Senior Bowl? And I don't know what he does at the Combine, but like, how does he prove he is that guy that a team that's looking for that is going to prioritize him and make him a draftable player? It's certainly going to be tough now, obviously, with uh, with everything going on. But the fact that he doesn't have any more tape you could really show besides the combine. Um, but hopefully, you know, at, at the combine, at his pro day, he could show that he could do more of that. But he's a guy, honestly, I think it just needs to prove it at the league. So, you know, yeah. maybe he's, he's not going to be a high draft pick, unfortunately, because of the year he had. Uh, but you mentioned the intangibles. That's a good point because he is a terrific leader, I know. Um, and I know teams will probably fall in love with him in the interviews. But I, I just don't I don't see him being more than a day three pick only just because you, you see the potential, like we mentioned last year. But he got hurt. And then this year when he came back, it just wasn't that good. So it's like, man, it, it's tough projecting him to the next level for sure. Yeah. And, and the value, by the way, the value of a of a, of a run Run stuffer, I think, is where we're, we're not yeah. projecting him to be an elite 
pass rusher in the NFL. I think his brother is is a great comparison. Sam Musfer is a, is a really quality uh, center for the uh, the Bears. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's a guy that overwhelms you with physical ability at all times. And I think PJ is a better athlete than his brother. But that DNA proves it can play in the NFL already. It's just the question of, is somebody going to take a risk on him? Do they see more than, than what's on film? I think it, that we're, we're in agreement there. Last two guys we'll talk about. Save the best for last. One of my favorites, Parker Washington, yep. Mitchell Tinsley. I think even though they're different sized players, they have the exact same questions coming into the combine. So let's just start with the obvious point. Give me a 40 time that both players need in order to reach their maximum draft potential. And where is that? Yeah, Parker. I love Parker so much, but I just don't. The combine is, is he's, I don't know. I, if he comes out and is a good athlete at the combine, that'll be great for him. Cause I think he's an okay athlete. Uh, I think he, it, you know, his, his dominance shows more on the field than it can in, in you know, in the underwear Olympics. But uh, I think that Parker Washington and the combine is not going to be great. I think it'll be fine. Uh, nothing special. He's a bigger slot receiver, 5'10", 215. Um, so a lot like Amari Rogers, honestly, was coming out of yeah. Clemson, where it's like that. Uh, so I just – I don't think the I don't like the combine is gonna be great for him. If he runs like in the four fours though, like that'll be great. I, I yeah. think that that's a really really good time for him. And Tinsley, I uh, probably put in that range too. Tinsley, you know, Parker might be a second round pick. Tinsley, probably more of a day three pick uh, if anything. So I would say yeah, four fours range. If faster, I think he's a faster receiver than Parker. So maybe if he can crack the low four fours, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, for Parker specifically, if he runs in the four fours, that that'll be a really good time for him, I think. So with Tinsley, one of the things I'm so interested in is obviously it's Western Kentucky, but he showed the ability to break tackles and, and make big plays, mm-hmm. um, even against Big Ten teams. You know, when we, when I was scouting him for his transition to Penn State, I thought there was a lot to like there, and it didn't really translate this past season. Um, I'm taking my L's on like the speed and the explosiveness. I don't think he's a deep threat, but. If he does run well, and I guess this is really what I'm getting to here. If he does run well, 6'2", he's an exceptional route runner with exceptional yeah. short area abilities. His his route transitions are some of the best. So does that make him a kind of a sleeper in the draft to you, or is he just what you've seen and that's kind of what he is and he'll be a reliable, big-bodied guy in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that six foot two. usually 6'2 receivers sometimes are a little clunky out there. He's not. He's a terrific route runner, and I think he's a guy that you could definitely see being a, a better receiver even in the NFL than he was in college because I thought Penn State um, utilized him well. And I know when Parker went down with his injury, and that's another question for me with Parker is how how is he doing after the injury? Great point. Um, I don't even – I don't even do we have confirmation that he's uh, participating in the combine? I don't even know if that's La- – Last time we saw him, he was in a boot uh, and on a scooter. So that's not a great place to start. Yeah. But, no, I, don't, uh, I haven't I, seen anything. I, yeah, I, I know something happened with his leg, and hopefully he gets better soon. So maybe he doesn't even participate in the combine. Maybe he uh, only does a pro day, which maybe could boost his times up a little bit uh, with the uh, the home score, uh, you know, shot clocks there. But uh, yeah. I think that Mitchell Tinsley uh, is definitely a guy that I, I like. And I definitely, you know, as a Penn State fan, we, we know more about him than I think any other NFL draft analyst would because they just haven't watched him that much. And I think he's a guy that um, – 
like you said, really good route runner. I like him after the catch a lot. I thought he was awesome at Western Kentucky, a lot like Dante Cephas coming in now, where it was like, this is one of the best receivers in college football at a group of five level. So Cephas, I think that's why I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about Cephas because Tinsley, I thought would come in and be, you know, fantastic. And he was good. He was a really yeah. good receiver. That's why I'm kind of expecting that from Cephas because it's kind of like the same kind of thing. So I'm not expecting him to be the alpha number one. That's why I'm kind of nervous about Penn State's receiver room. But uh, Tinsley, I like a lot. And I, I do think he could be a guy that, you know, you see on day three and then all of a sudden he's, you know, a good number three or number four receiver in the NFL. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? So, yeah, I, I kind of I like Tinsley a lot as, as kind of a sleeper on day three. I know I just said that was going to be the last two players, but um, I, I would be derelicting my duty if I didn't bring up a couple more players. I'm going to start with uh, Juice Scruggs, and then we're going to get to the quarterbacks here in a second. And I do mean plural. So do, do you have a couple more minutes uh, to talk yeah, about all that? Yeah. Okay. So let's go to Juice Scruggs. I, uh, you know, from, from my evaluation standpoint, I am not nearly as good about evaluating interior linemen, especially centers, when it comes to the draft, when it comes to their projection to the next level. But 34-plus inch arms, very yeah. good athlete, 315 pounds, performed well last season. What, what am I missing about Juice Scruggs from, you know, guy you should want in the draft? And, and what are his shortcomings that I, that I have not noticed? I think you're right. I think he is a guy that maybe is getting a little underrated in this process right now. And he, he performed well this last year. I don't think he was... Dominant, and there there are really dominant. Like John Michael Schmitz, the Minnesota center, was the best center in college football, in my opinion. Uh, Olu Oluwatimi won the Remington Award as the best center in college football, won the Outland Trophy as the best center in college football. Luke Whipler. So just in the Big Ten alone, there's a lot of really good uh, prospects at center. Yeah. But uh, Juice Scruggs, I mean, look, he's got the awesome name, obviously. And then he's been a really good pass protector this year for Penn State. I think he's a good run blocker, um, not a great one. So uh, he's got the tools, though, for sure. He's a guy I could see, you know, as an interior offensive lineman. Again, he'll probably be a day three pick, but he could still be a starter down the line for a team at, at either guard or center. I think he has versatility there. So uh, I think Juice Scruggs could be a long-term starter in the NFL um, and a guy that, team again, another guy teams could be happy with on day three. Uh, I'm just not as high on him, probably. I, I would say he's more of a day three pick for me. Yeah, it, but to your point, a long-term starter, especially on the interior, those come from the fifth, sixth round yep. for offensive linemen. So it's right. not – I wouldn't even say it's its a disrespectful to say that about a guy who, you know, has uh, that profile. Mm -hmm. Now i got to get to the quarterbacks. Um, Sean Clifford not invited to the Combine. Will Levis, a former Penn State quarterback, might be the number one overall pick. I don't like the term take. Because it just like, you know, what's your take on this? It, it just becomes like mouth garbage. But what's your take on the Penn State quarterback situation with those two, um, given the NFL context here? I'm a little mad at uh, Jimmy Franks for not starting Will Levis, for one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I love Sean. I actually was very lucky to interview Sean before the Rose Bowl, and that was such a cool conversation. He's the man. And, uh, but yeah, Will Levis, man, he is uh, Sean. Sean, I don't think is getting drafted. Sean, to me, uh, if he Sean, first of all, Sean doesn't need to play football. Sean is an extremely successful in the NIL world right now. I, I yeah. saw a report that he already made millions of dollars 
uh, selling off some of his company. So it's like this dude is fine. Like we don't need to worry about Sean Clifford. He's going to be very okay. And I honestly, I mean, he, I, he seems to be very entrepreneurial. So maybe he wants to go into business, but I could see him being a great coach too, just because he knows that Penn State offense so much. He's been kind of a coach on the field for Penn State. So I, I think if he wants to play football, XFL, USFL, those leagues are sprouting up. Maybe they give him a shot. Uh, I don't think there's much of a, uh, a shot in the NFL, unfortunately. Levis is an enigma. He is from uh, my lead draft analyst coworker Mike Renner, who you know is uh, he's very high on him. He's got him, I think, as a number two quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I'd I'd maybe go either three or four. I, I debate him and Richardson all the time. Uh, he did not look good this year, but yeah. just because you know it wasn't a pretty picture doesn't mean it was the whole picture. I think that Kentucky's supporting cast was one of the worst in the country. The receiving room was bad. Coaching was bad. Uh, offensive line bad. And then Levis had turf toe. Um, so I think a lot of that had to do with the supporting cast, but it's still like when you're taking a guy in the top five and he had a bad year his last year, it's like, I don't yeah. know. Man. So that, and he's old, you know, he's fifth year senior. He's not yeah. like a, a true junior or anything like that. So um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough for me to, to say he's going to be a star, but I, I could see him being a star because of, He's a bigger quarterback who can run, and he's got a cannon of a right arm. But to me, I would rather take – if you're looking for tools at quarterbacks, I'd probably rather take Anthony Richardson than Will Levis just because I think there's the ceiling is higher with Richardson, and I don't think the floors are, are that much different with them either. So Levis, I think, could be uh, a guy that you know, is a lot better in the NFL than he is in college just because the supporting cast will probably be better. Uh, but I think that that situation for him matters a lot. And I, it does for every quarterback. But for him especially, I think it'll be a, a big determining factor whether or not he's successful. For me, the the deep ball is like what's going to decide it for a lot of people. You know, I think his decision-making is good. I think he plays in the pocket well. Uh, he'll hang in there despite being a very athletic quarterback. But depending on what game you turn on or what drive you turn on, his deep ball is either – one of the best you've ever seen, or it's like, what the hell were you looking at? Yep, yep. And I, 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 it's not the same thing, but like when I watched Patrick Mahomes coming out, I'm like, I don't know if this kid's going to be good because I don't think any of this translates to the NFL. I don't know if Will Levis is going to be any good because I don't know what side of the coin he's going to fall on when it comes to the NFL and that particular part of the game, which is so important to his, you know, going back to his PFF profile, he, he had an elite passing grade. Uh, you know, just from watching it, a lot of that was probably built on throwing really good deep balls, but he also threw a lot of bad ones. Yeah. So where does that land? And if you're a, if you're an organization, you mentioned he's a fifth-year quarterback. Do you believe that's going to improve at this point? Two I different it, coaching systems and, and all that stuff included. I think it will. And I, but it's an interesting point. It's like you mentioned Patrick Mahomes and I was in the same boat and Josh Allen. I was in the same boat too. Justin Herbert. I was in the same boat. And I think that's why Mike is so high on this guy because Mike yeah. was low on Mahomes as everyone was. He was lower on Josh Allen as, as most people. Were. Oh yeah. And he was lower on Justin Herbert. And he, and he you know, I, I've gotten dinner with him a couple of times and I'm just like, man, like, what are we seeing? Levis kind of like, why is he buff Stroud? And he's like, dude, I can't miss again. I can't miss again. And, and I think a lot of teams are going to be looking at that and saying, we can't, we can't mess this up again. We can't yep. do this. Again. So that's why I think, you know, the tools matter. And I think obviously Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud are not as toolsy. I would take them still just because you know what they are, you know how good they are. Uh, but you look at it and you're like, man, if Levis hits, 
It's going to be better than Stroud. It's going to be better than Bryce Young, probably. If yeah. Richardson hits, it's going to be better than all of them. So it's kind of like that's why you see both those. All, you can see four quarterbacks, I think, in the top ten in this draft, just because teams are seeing the best quarterbacks in the league are are some of the toolsiest guys in Mahomes and Allen and Herbert. And it's just like you just you can't mess it up again. You can't mess it up. Yeah. And I think a lot of teams are going to be scared of that. So – Fans of this show, no, I'm I'm a Bills fan. The the reason I got into football was because of my love of the Bills. And if teams, if if people feel that way about Will Levis because of Josh Allen, you've learned the wrong lesson uh, of Josh Allen. Josh Allen, you know, you mentioned you weren't high on him. I I was not either. I I literally cried out loud like a a a. <laughs> thing came out of me a pain came out of me when they drafted him they traded up to draft him right and let's remember because now everyone wants josh allen it's like you just like being a bills fan to get to this playoff run you have to pay your due diligence you have to pay for it with two or three years of him not being good learning how to throw differently and then being good will levis's mechanics are all good it's all about the the mental side of it and the accuracy you know, he, he doesn't have to relearn how to throw a football. No. So we're, we're, we're even very smart people are being swayed by what I, what I'm, I'm concerned is the wrong lesson that we're going back to the Jake locker era of yep. big, fast, strong. Let's draft him in the top 10. And it, that takes exactly. out the football side of it. Exactly. And I think that is a lesson. I know Mike, you know, obviously Mike is way better at evaluating prospects than I will ever be, but uh, Josh Allen is a guy that he's a cautionary tale because everyone thinks I can, you know, I can fix him. Kind of like yep. <laughs> you're in a bad relationship. You're like, oh, I can. Yep. Fix him. That's kind of the thing where it's like this only happened one time. This only happened once where this guy, Josh Allen, after after two years of Josh Allen, I was probably with you and I was saying, this guy stinks. They got to look at drafting a quarterback again. He's not good. And all of a sudden he just you know burns the world down and now he's who he is now um so that's a cautionary tale uh and i i think mahomes showed elite play in college it was more of the offense and whether or not that would translate allen was bad in college herbert was bad in college but herbert i think the offense in oregon was horrible i mean it was like it was like I'm not comparing him and saying the talent's similar but when penn state threw screen passes every play with christian hackenberg it's like dude what are we doing here? You know, this guy's got a cannon. He's firing screen passes into section Q up there. Why don't we let the, the arm show off a little bit and throw it deep? So that's kind of what Herbert was in in Oregon um, and why I think in, immediately in the NFL he was great because it was just like, oh, this offense is suited more for me. So Allen was different. Allen was just straight up not good, and then he just became great. Uh, Levis, I think, is good. I, I think he's yeah. a guy that the footwork is, is, is a mess right now, but I think – the turf toe might've played a part in that. Um, so I, if he fixes the footwork, gets in the NFL system with better supporting cast, I think he could be really good. I'm just, it, it's tough when you're not, don't have a good last year and you, you're saying, Oh, he's a top five pick. That to me is a little questionable. Um, but I just, if you're chasing upside, he's up there, but I, I might go with Anthony Richardson. If, if you're truly swinging for the fences, I probably go with Anthony Richardson, even though Levis's floor might be a little higher than Richardson. I thought we were going to talk for 25 minutes. Uh, we went 45. This was awesome. Max Chadwick of PFF joining the BWI Daily Edition. Max, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. One more guy I just want to throw out there just so I can I can say, hey, I told you guys so. 
Okay. Uh, Danny Dennis' son, I think, is going to be a superstar. I, yeah. whenever I turn on the tape and he's awesome, I, I, I'm like, wow, he's former five star. That's, uh, you know, we talk about all the five stars Penn State's brought in with Nicholas Singleton and all that. Danny's at his son, and I'm hopefully he's going to be there with Chop Robinson next year to Tisa Isaac. But uh, I know we didn't talk about him, but I just want to, I wanted to bring him up because I, I watched him recently and I was like, this guy could be special. So I, I'm excited for, for DDS next year. And that, that one's for free here on the BWI Daily Edition. Uh, PFF.com, check out Max Chadwick. Of course, you can call, uh, follow our Combine coverage at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. We got you covered on all angles. Max, thanks for joining the show. That'll do it for today on the BWI Daily Edition. As always, make sure you subscribe. And uh, thank you for listening on our, on our podcast versions and on YouTube. We will talk to you tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.